Advances in digital technology are transforming the way we all do business, and location is fast becoming the nerve centre of the digital future. Why? Because in our global environment, location matters. And most data includes a location component that when unlocked, will open new lines of inquiry, analysis and understanding. Welcome to the Locate Podcast, where we share with you a deep dive into the lives, motivators and future legacies of some of the key players at the Locate Conference, Australia's annual national gathering for custodians of location data creation and management. Locate conferences have been bringing together geospatial and surveying professionals to connect, collaborate and learn about cutting-edge industry developments and insights since 2014. Locate conferences provide three days to deep dive into geospatial technologies and harness the power of location. Today we are joined by Dr. Stefan Praba, who is CEO and co-founder of Emerson. He has been at the forefront of drone autonomy R&D for 20 years. Following his PhD in computer science and robotics on this topic, he spent 13 years at CSIRO, where he continued his work on vision and LiDAR-based perception and navigation for drones. He led the development and commercialization of Hovermap in CSIRO and co-founded Emerson in 2018 to bring this groundbreaking technology to market. Stefan, welcome. We are so excited to have you with us today. Thanks, Roshni. It's a really pleasure to be here as well. So, Stefan, I'd really love to hear about Emerson. How did it start? Who are you and what do you do? Basically, we're a spin-out from CSIRO. As you mentioned, you know, in 2018, we spun out of CSIRO to commercialise technology, particularly in the drone autonomy and mapping space. And we'd seen a lot of potential interests and use cases in industry, and we decided the best way to create impact was to spin out Emerson to commercialize that. So that is still our core, focusing on drone autonomy, allowing drones to fly into really challenging places using LiDAR. But then we're also producing detailed 3D maps from the LiDAR. So we have that sort of dual use of uh, autonomy and mapping. And we've grown rapidly over the last three and a half years. So we're now around 140 staff and always hiring. And so we're fortunate to have customers around the world using our systems every day for their operations in mining and many other industries. You mentioned that you're particularly dedicated to the challenge of autonomous digitalization for mapping areas and assets in challenging and hard to reach places like underground mines. Many people in our industry are fascinated by the data capture and analysis side of this. Why is this area so important to you? I think as a roboticist, I mean, you, you always think about how robots can be used to help people and make jobs safer, more repetitive and precise in many ways. And there are many industries which require the collection of data in hard to reach places. And robots have already been used in numerous industries to do things that you know people are not well suited to do. And so that's kind of really spurred us on to think where else or how else can we use robotic systems. And we were very fortunate to solve this challenging problem of allowing a drone to fly in challenging environments. And that's what's been pushing us forward is making the most of the technology, being able to capture really rich, detailed data in places that are almost impossible to reach and in some cases are impossible to reach. I mean, the safety is obviously a big factor there and it's been 
amazing to see how robotic systems, obviously, especially drones, have made jobs safer. Being able to send a drone in to capture data instead of sending in a person and is really rewarding. So that's definitely a big motivator for, for why we do what we do. How is your technology at Emerson really helping to achieve impact, not only in making workplaces safer, but freeing up humans to do the things that only humans can do? It's a combination of those two things. So we're using autonomy to help us access very difficult places, and we're using SLAM-based LIDAR mapping to produce point clouds that are hard to produce using traditional terrestrial laser-based techniques. And obviously, the autonomy part is critical. Without autonomy, for example, you wouldn't be able to send a drone into an area where there's out GPS. Traditionally, drones rely on either a human to be very skilled in controlling them using the joysticks, or they rely on GPS. And the GPS signal helps it to regulate its speed, know where it is in the world, and fly waypoints based on GPS. So if you take those two away, you have no GPS and you don't have a skilled pilot because the drone is going beyond communication range, beyond a line of sight. The only way to make that possible is through autonomy. So what we do is we use the LiDAR data in real time to sense the environment around the drone and estimate how it's moving using the SLAM algorithm. So that's simultaneous localization and mapping. So it's using that LiDAR data in real time to navigate. And then we also store all the raw data on board and we have a post-processing step which runs the SLAM algorithm over the data again to generate the detailed point cloud. Yeah, that combination of SLAM-based mapping and autonomy would uh, enable us to capture data in these challenging areas. That's really incredible. It unlocks so much potential. Would you mind telling us a bit more about how the hover map, lighter mapping and autonomy payload works? Yeah, so Hovermap is the product that we've commercialized, and that's the device that does this autonomy and mapping. Obviously, this is an audio podcast, so I can't show a picture, but if you can imagine a small device or box that's mounted underneath the drone, and it includes a LiDAR, so that's a laser scanner that we rotate, so it gives it a full spherical field of view around the drone, and that's connected to the rest of the payload, which has onboard compute power, so we're actually, I've got a computer processing the data in real time and running our autonomy algorithms in real time on the drone. And then we have an interface or connection through from the Hovermap payload into the drone's flight control system or autopilot. And what Hovermap is doing is using that LiDAR data in real time to figure out where it is, how it's moving and what the obstacles are around it and planning safe paths through those obstacles. And then it's sending signals to the drone's autopilot and basically saying, go left, go right, go up, down to navigate around the obstacles. So that's the Hovermap payload. And I mean, one of the unique things about Hovermap is it's been designed primarily as a drone payload, so it can be mounted onto the drone. But we've always seen that this could be used on other devices as well, or even just used by carrying it around. So it's designed to be plug and play. So there's a quick release mechanism which allows you to quickly take it off the drone and either attach it to a backpack or carry it around to do slam-based LiDAR mapping in areas where you wouldn't be able to fit a drone, but you could still access as a person. Or you could mount it onto other robots like the Spot robot from Boston Dynamics or even on a vehicle or lower it down a vertical shaft on a cable. So it's a very versatile LiDAR mapping system. And when it is on a drone, it provides that additional capability through the autonomy. Now... We all love storytelling. It brings technology to life. 
and helps us to showcase the human and real world side of the work that we do. Could you tell us a few examples of how Hovermap is being used in mining and other industries to capture valuable data and the insights that are derived from the data? One of the challenges we've had is that it can be used for so many things that we've had to focus our attention and focus on a few key verticals and applications to start with. When we were at CSIRO, we ran an early adopter program and we had prototypes out with customers in various industries and saw great use cases in many of those industries. But the one that made the most sense and had the greatest value proposition was for underground mining. We had the mine surveyor come and explain to us the challenges that they had scanning certain areas and particularly areas called a stope, a large void that's formed underground after they've blasted and removed the fractured rock material. It leaves a hole in the ground and they need to go and scan that area to make sure that the blast has gone according to plan, to make sure they haven't blasted away any waste material that will dilute the ore or um, left any valuable high-grade ore in the ground. And traditionally what they were doing was taking a laser scanner, mounting it to the end of a long pole or boom, and going quite close to the edge of these underground areas and poking this boom into the cavity to scan it. And that obviously meant the surveyor had to be in some rather challenging areas. And the scans that were captured were very sparse and not complete because they could only see this, the, this void from one perspective or point of view. So it was a very natural application to start using Hovermap on a drone to do that instead of using the pole-mounted scanner because that means you can actually launch the drone from a safe location without approaching those dangerous areas, send it in autonomously. And because it's flying around inside the void, it's seeing it from many different angles. So it gets very detailed, complete coverage with an extreme level of point density. So obviously there's the safety aspect, but the exciting thing is the new insights that they're able to derive from the data because there's just so much detail in the data. So the volumes that they were calculating are now way more accurate. And they can also pick up interesting things like geotechnical structures to understand more about the rock mass, to understand and optimize how they drill and blast subsequent stopes. So a lot of additional benefits from the data. And then from there, it goes to many different applications in underground mining that have similar challenges of needing to capture data, whether it's down a vertical shaft, an ore pass or a raised bore along a drive that might be inaccessible. And then, yeah, I mean, many other industries that have the same challenge of needing to capture data in hard to reach places above ground, even flying around buildings in between buildings, you can lose GPS. So whole map's been used to fly and do building facade mapping underneath bridges to inspect them. You'd lose GPS if you're flying under the bridge. And then even things like forestries is a great application because being able to map underneath the canopy of forest, again, is, is very difficult. You do lose GPS. So we have uh, forestry customers who are using it just to either fly underneath the canopy or walk with Hovermap on a backpack and map their sample plots and then use the data to digitally do the things that they were doing manually before, like measuring the, the diameter of the tree trunks and how tall the trees are, et cetera. Like, are there things that you could talk about around natural disasters and things like that? So recently we've had the floods happen in Queensland. There are wildfires happening around the world. Are there applications that could arise from Hovermap that could support communities and governments in terms of resilience to climate change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's more about how, how the data is going to be used and we can certainly help to capture that data. So if, if uh, there's been an incident and you need to assess the level of damage, then drones by themselves are very useful tools in those environments. 
but having GPS denied autonomy capability and SLAM-based mapping means you can get into areas that otherwise might not be possible with traditional drones after an earthquake or a flood. And in the mining context as well, hover maps have been used um, a number of times after a, an event. So for example, there's a, a mine in Sweden that had a, a seismic event, so basically an earthquake, and large parts of the mine had sort of rock collapses. Um, luckily, nobody was injured, but usually to figure out if it was be safe to re-enter that area, it would take them weeks or months to slowly go in and sort of inspect and map out the areas. But they were able to use Hover Map to fly those areas. Within a couple of days, they mapped all the areas that were impacted. And from the scans, they could check the level of uh, damage and how much remediation work needed to be done. So they were able to reopen the mine weeks earlier than they otherwise would have been. And obviously, that's a huge saving because shutting down a mine is a very expensive <laughs> or you know, lost revenue problem. So it's a great application there as well. And there have been other instances uh, in, in mining environments where Hover Map has been used to go in and inspect the damage or sort of help with search and rescue efforts as well. And what about some of the other sectors that you might be able to offer HoverMap as a service to? Almost half of our customers are outside of mining across many verticals. We're now looking to adapt the autonomy capabilities to make it more suitable to some of those other applications. For example, asset inspection, having autonomy, which allows you to fly um, underground in a mine is quite different to the autonomy that you need to go and inspect a bridge or a cell phone tower or an oil and gas structure. So even though Hover Map's been used in those environments to keep the drone safe and make it easier to fly, and we haven't yet optimized the autonomy for those industries. So that's something we're starting to do now for improving the level of autonomy for above ground applications and also the integration of inspection cameras as well so that we can couple high-resolution inspection images with uh, the 3D data that's captured from Hovermap. I really feel as though the impact created from Hovermap and this technology is groundbreaking in being able to really support us to, as surveyors and geospatial professionals, go so much further with the knowledge that we have around data precision, data accuracy and analytics what are some of the other exciting new products that Emerson offers and what impact can they create? We're really excited to have recently launched the new version of Hovermap, that's Hovermap ST. So that's been more than two years of R&D and extensive testing. So obviously the, the original Hovermap was really a game changer and, and widely used in many industries. Um, but we did start thinking, what could we do better? How could we improve it? How could we make it even more versatile and, and being able to use it more in, uh, harsh environments. So we went back to the drawing board and basically redesigned it from the ground up with that in mind, sort of making it more rugged and, and tough and better IP rated. Those are the core requirements, but also we wanted to see if we could make it smaller, lighter, etc. but without sacrificing the map quality or the autonomy capabilities. So we've managed to achieve that. Hover Map ST, like I said, is the latest iteration. One of the key things is that it's now IP65 rated, so you can actually use it in rain or in very dusty environments. And obviously that's important for the types of environments that it's been sent into, especially in underground mines, but many uh, other environments as well. We've also managed to reduce the weight down to 1.6 kilograms and improve the field of view of the LIDAR around the unit as well by changing the, the way that the LIDAR was mounted to the front of the map. And a number of other um, really great benefits. So um, that's recently been, been launched. 
But another thing we were trying to do is, is to see how we could improve SLAM-based mapping in general, because there are some environments that are just not well suited to, to SLAM-based mapping. SLAM relies on detecting unique 3D features in the environment and tracking them as it moves through that environment. So if, if the environment is very smooth or there are not any sort of unique 3D features to track, it's not a good environment for SLAM. And also if you're traveling a long distance without being able to come back and close the loop, so cross your path, that is also going to be challenging for SLAM. And another, another challenge is, you know, once point cloud's been generated through a SLAM-based system, it's usually produced in a local coordinate frame. And there's usually then a, a manual step to georeference that into a known coordinate frame. So we wanted to see if we could resolve those kind of two limitations of SLAM-based mapping. And we've done that through the use of automated ground control targets, which has been, and this feature has been released alongside of MapST. So basically what this means is you, you take a, ground control target, and that's just a retroreflective disk. Um, of, you can use various sizes, but you'd put that in the environment and you'd survey those targets in using traditional survey techniques, using a total station or a, a GPS rover. So you know they're, they're actually their they're coordinates. And then you use hover map as you would previously. You'd, you'd, you'd walk with it or fly with it. Um, you, you don't have to stop and go. Um, you don't have to place it anywhere sort of in particular on the ground control target or near it. You just capture the data and then in our post-processing workflow, um, our software automatically finds those ground control targets in the scan and automatically does constellation matching to your known control points. And then it uses those targets in two ways. The first is to do the georeferencing. So it'll uh, transform the or translate the, the point cloud into a known coordinate frame. And then it actually uses the targets to improve the SLAM result as well by using them as constraints in the SLAM algorithm. And that means you can um, eliminate drift and slip in the SLAM solution and uh, improve the accuracy and, and repeatability. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, again, I think that's going to be a game changer, getting the best of both worlds, being able to capture data very quickly and, and conveniently uh, while moving indoors or outdoors, and then combine that with the accuracy that you'd usually get from uh, traditional survey-based techniques. So yeah, really excited to launch that combination and, and looking forward to seeing what customers end up doing with this new combination as well. That is very, very exciting. Stefan, what would you encourage people who are seeking to create impact using technology in geospatial to think about and question so that they can be more innovative? That's an interesting question. I think it's the same as when you're trying to solve a problem for customers is just to really focus on what is the core of the problem and, and what do the customers really need rather than coming up with a bit of tech and then trying to find a problem that it will solve. Yeah, understanding the customer needs and, and then developing a solution around that. And then also, I suppose, looking to other industries to see what can be learned to other tools that are learned in other industries and applying those in a new way to your own industry. And I think that has helped us along the way, really understanding what our customers have needed and then taking technology, uh, robotics technology and, and SLAM technology and applying that in new ways to solve those problems. So that's, that would be my suggestion. And they are such common sense but so valuable gems of wisdom. It can sometimes be easy for us when we're so caught up in 
building the tech and being excited about it to lose touch with those basic principles. Yep, for sure. What excites you about where our industry is heading at the moment and what scares you? To me, it's exciting to see new technology being adopted by the industry. You know, the use of slam-based mapping, for example, I mean, that 10 years ago was something really new and um, it's now been adopted by the industry and, and, you know, people realise and appreciate the benefits of slam-based mapping as well as the limitations. So make sure it's used in, in the right way in the right places. Um, and then, yeah, the use of autonomy as well and, and robotic solutions, I think. You know, again, I've, I've been in, in the drone industry for more than 20 years now. And, you know, when I first started, you know, people didn't even really know what a drone was and you couldn't just go buy a drone off the shelf. These days, they are widely used um, across many industries to, to capture valuable data. And that's now obviously, you know, transitioning into other um, autonomy options for ground-based robots, like using legged robots as well. So the, the Boston Dynamics Spot robot is a, a great platform for accessing areas on the ground um, that wouldn't make sense for, for drone-based use. Um, and we are integrating with Spot as well. You can put a whole map on the spot. So yeah, to me, it's been exciting just to see the adoption of, of these new technologies and how they're being put to use in the, in, in the industry. And the second part was what scares me. Nothing that I can think of, really. I think I'm just more on the excited side. Uh, there's nothing that I'm, yeah, too worried about in the, in the industry. Um, yeah, just, just really excited. That's very refreshing, and I think it's, it's quite good. I'd really like to focus the conversation a little bit now more back onto you as a person, Stefan. What's your career journey been so far, and have there been any moments that you have identified as pivot points that have really shaped the way that you approach innovation and technology today? Yeah, so my, my, my background prior to CSIRO, I did my undergrad in mechanical engineering in South Africa, and then I moved to the US to do my PhD in robotics, uh, focusing on drone autonomy. And I was there for, for five years. And, and during that time, I was fortunate enough to get to know some of the team at CSIRO in Australia and came out for a couple of months to work with them here um, and then as I was finishing up my, my PhD, they were hiring to, to expand the drone program and I uh, jumped at the opportunity because I'd really had some experience with the team and saw the, the amazing things they were doing. So I joined Sarah uh, at the beginning of 2006 and I was, I was there for almost 13 years working in the robotics um, group on drones and, and drone autonomy. And then, yeah, um, you've heard the, the rest of the story as we, as we spun out to, to form Emerson. So defining moments... Actually, I missed a bit. So I actually wasn't intending to get into robotics. I, I wanted to do uh, animatronics, which is kind of movie special effects uh, before the days of CGI when they had sort of, you know, Jurassic Park was actual dinosaurs and the, the original Yoda was, a, was a, a puppet. So, I mean, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> but I realized that there wasn't really a, a course you can go into do to study that. It was more kind of a, you know, apprenticeship type of role. Um, and also there was no intelligence um, or, or autonomy. It was really puppetry. So I, I realized that robotics is actually better suited to me because I've always been interested in using computers to control machines and, and sort of try and add intelligence. Um, and I've also been always interested in, in, in flying things. I mean, I, I built so many model planes when I was young and flew RC planes. And then, yeah, when I got an opportunity to, to do a, a PhD in robotics at USC and they had actually just started um, some work on, on on drones. I yeah, I realised that it was 
the best fit for me. It kind of ticked all the boxes doing robotics and flying things. And actually, USC is very well known for its, because um, it's based in LA, so very well known for its, uh, its film school as well. So I did get to dabble in the special effects side of things as well and, and get to see some of the cool tech that's used in, in the, the visual effects field. And actually, it's come full circle because Hop Map's now been used in many blockbuster movies to actually scan the, the, the backdrop, backdrops of these films and used in the visual effects. Um, so the latest 007, Mission Impossible, uh, Fast and Furious, they've all had Hover Map on set. So um, I think, yeah, it'd be sort of having, having got to start doing my PhD and realized there was you know, um, a great opportunity in a, in, in a new field using robotic systems in the air was really exciting for me. And then I'd say the second part was um, having been at, at SARA and seen the great potential with the technology we'd been developing and uh, that industry were really sort of asking for, for the solution and there was a, a lot of pull. And having given, been given that, that opportunity to, to work on it in SARA and then um, spin it out, I think was, yeah, uh, I mean, Definitely a, a game changer for me, um, and together with my co-founder Farid Kendul, uh, you know, huge opportunity or privilege to have been able to work on that in, in Sire and then see the impact as we've spun it out through Amazon. Just casually, casually drop in there that you know HovMap is used in the latest 007. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. I didn't get to go on the sets, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I'll. Uh, Still, even just looking at the point clouds when we when we get to see them is, is amazing. Yeah, that's amazing! How incredible! And what are some of the things that you enjoy doing outside of work? How do you relax and rejuvenate? Um, yeah, well, there's not much that time outside of work, but when I when I do, yeah, I mean, obviously spending time with my family. I've got I've got two boys. I get out and mountain bike and surf, and I love photography, but I don't get much time to do that as a hobby anymore. But I think kind of what I do instead is actually I, I really love um, exploring point clouds. And to me, it's kind of, it's, it's equivalent to old school photography where you, you scan an environment and you don't know what you're going to get until you actually kind of process it. So it's like going into the dark room and then, um, you know, you, you see what you get. And then just the way that you can ma manipulate point clouds in, in, the, in viewing software um, and apply different effects and, and you can uh, explore areas that you just, couldn't see um, with the naked eye. So I really actually love playing with point clouds and generating point cloud images you can generate some amazing looking images. And, and I'd love to see, see that being, being used in, in different ways as well. Oh, Stefan, it's been such a pleasure to have you join us today. I really admire your skills in science communication and I feel as though our audience, our listeners are really going to get a lot from hearing about the passion that you have for creating change and impact and the way that you approach innovation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Roshni, and I'm really looking forward to the event.